All right, everybody, welcome to the Eternal Leadership Podcast, and I want to welcome back a one of my favorite guests from last year, Steve White. Steve, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you, John. You probably say that about all your guests, but I take the compliment. Thank you. Well, you know, there's that one guy. I def, I didn't even publish that episode, but that's a whole nother story. But um, no, I well, you know, it's interesting because I'm uh, I've been reading what you've been putting out on LinkedIn. Yes, and I'm like, oh my, like this is uh, what we talked about last year. Uh, your book, Uncompromising, was just starting to come out. Yes. And I remember you made a statement, the two most important questions that we need to ask and answer. And could you just share with those? It's a famous Mark Twain quote, at least it's been credited to him, John. The two most important days in your life is the day you're born. And secondly, why? Why were you placed on this earth? Because it's hard for me to believe, John, anyone was placed on this earth to create havoc. I just refuse to believe that. So we all have something special and unique about us. So how do we identify it and then let it happen? That's how you truly make an impact. That is probably the most important question we all can answer. Yeah. And what we talked about last time, everybody, and go back just uh, in the library, Steve White, and listen to Steve's story. For people that may be tuning in and hearing you the first time, I'm going to have you recapture a little bit. But you grew up, you had very little resources, single mom, four kids, struggling, but that's what you knew. And she's, I was just sharing with one of my friends, is, uh, I mean, the character that she sewed into you as you grew up in very challenging circumstances, and the fact that you never saw yourself as a victim of these circumstances. You always saw these circumstances as a way to to move you toward what you just said, that purpose, that something meaningful. And it was that that actually has defined not only your life, but what you are now actively hoping to do and doing in the lives of other people. Yeah, it's so interesting, John. If we feed ourselves bad stuff, it creates bad stuff. Mm. But if you feed... Feed positive stuff, positive things will happen. As you said, my mother, eighth grade education, raised four boys in the housing projects of Indianapolis. When she left my dad, she had a marriage license, but didn't even have a driver's license. Her first job was cleaning motel rooms in Indianapolis, Indiana. She would bring her four boys along and we would help out and take out the trash. But we were learning some very valuable lessons not to allow your environment to shape how you view the world. What you feed yourself is what's going to happen. And while there were a lot of circumstances against us, John, we were the perfect setup to be victims and everyone would have understood, but not in her house. And so through that process, the more she fed us, the more we believed, and then others start feeding us and then good things started happening. And as you know, John, once momentum begins in a positive way, it's hard to stop. So how you feed yourself is very, very critical. And when you know that you've been placed on this earth for something unique and special, that inspires you to go find out what it is and why you are here. And then once you find out, then get out of the way, you're on your way. Because, you know, John, I'll share this story with you. Uh, There were eight of us. It was a little group called Unique Incorporated. We started in high school. We all went away to college. 
in John, sadly, four of these eight are no longer with us. These were your like, close these friends close growing friends, up. close friends, and they, four of the ones that are not with us all died tragically. And I truly believe they never answered that question on why they were placed on this earth. And my sense is, if that question would have been answered, they would be living more productive lives and we would not have lost four of the eight. That's not a good batting average. Uh, so this important question about why you were placed on this earth is just so critical. Isn't it though? And just a little background for everybody. You went from growing up in that environment to being CEO of a division of Comcast, what, 85,000 right. employees? I was running, I was president of Comcast West, not close, 35,000 employees. 35. Almost $20 billion. Probably felt like 85. Yeah, felt like it. <laughs> almost $20 billion in revenue. I was on the road uh, quite a bit, uh, but we really established something special. And today I'm president and special counsel supporting our CEO of our Comcast cable business, along with doing speaking and doing some other things. So it did journey continues. And, and guys, if you need a, a phenomenal speaker, reach out. And first of all, Steve, as people are hearing us talk, how do they, first of all, get in touch with you, connect, find you online? Well, first of all, they should just go to my website, stevewhitespeaks.com. Gives you all the information you want to know about me. You can check out parts of my book. You can follow me on social media, on LinkedIn and Facebook. Those are the two primary vehicles. But go to my website, stevewhitespeaks.com. I think you'll learn a lot. It's a great place to go hang out. You can listen to my old podcast. You can check out the book. You can see all my past posts. And the reason we developed the website, the reason we're on social media, John, we know when you feed positive stuff, positive things happen. Mm -hmm. And this journey, Steve, from where you started, as you got to the top of the boardroom, the C-suite of corporate yes. America, there were some... Tremendous highs and lows. And one of the things, just getting to know you, that I see that is just runs through your core that is important to you is your faith. Yes. And one of the things I really want to for you to share with this audience, because our eternal leadership, everybody shows up about how do we bring our faith into work? How do we bring our faith into a meeting in a secular company? How do we deal with day-to-day -day and, and also a lot of the pressures that are in our culture today that are coming into families that are coming into team meetings and even in the boardroom. Yes. How has faith kind of guided you, you know, through this trajectory that you've been on? Well, it starts at home and it started with my mother. My mother loves to say she was a praying mother. And while I didn't know it, John, she would cry herself sometimes to sleep at night, praying to God, helping her figure out what direction should she take. And obviously I didn't know that you know, early on, we were always in church, sometimes two or three times a week, because my mother's belief, and I believe this, who you surround yourself with, that is who you become. So whether it's the top five or six people you spend the majority of your time, that's who you'll become. And she taught us, maybe not in those exact words, I want you to be around believers. I'm going to have you in church. And that's why during this crazy time of COVID, and as we come out of this, a lot of 
uh, faith-based folks got comfortable being at home, listening to church, which is very important, but it's so important to get out of your home, go fellowship with other believers, be around others, have them pour into you is so important. So growing up in that kind of an environment, it provided us a North Star because it's hard for us to be that arrogant to believe we were able to get out of those circumstances purely on our own effort. Certainly we played a part, but how do you go from the projects to the boardroom? You don't do that by yourself. And so that North Star gave us an opportunity to really grab onto it. And also too, John, during those difficult times, it gave us an anchor. It gave us a moral compass to connect mm. to mm-hmm. as we were being pushed from left to right and the wind was blowing and we weren't sure we could hold on. That gave us this anchor and gave us a moral compass of how to lead our life. And then finally, the point I will make is how do you share your faith, particularly in corporate America? It's how you show up. If you have an internal joy about yourself, People will be attracted to you. Show me someone that no one's attracted to. That's someone I don't want to be around, John. So just be you. Show your inner joy. Show your love. What kind of conversations are you having with your coworkers or your family or your friends? Are your questions deep questions? Are they shallow questions? That's how you begin the conversation, not by preaching, not by banging your uh, hand on a table. Just be you. Let your internal joy that you can only get from one place, and that's our Lord and Savior. That's the only place you're going to get it, and allow that to show. Others will be attracted, and that will give you the opportunity to share your faith in a way that's non-threatening, but the person receiving it is now open to it. Yes, and... um you know, you said the uh, it's your association, that power of association. And I love the quote that you are the average of your five closest friends. And uh, what was the name of your group, the eight young it men? It was called Unique Incorporated. And so the four remaining, I'm still very close with them a lot of years later. One actually teaches Sunday school. He lives in Dallas. And every month we're on his Sunday school thing that he does for his local church. We join in. And so, again, back to that association plays a major role. And now, you know, as you're mentoring leaders, executives, young men, young women, and you're helping them go, okay, look at my five closest relationships. You know what? They're the ones who are gossiping. They have a victim mentality. If I'm being honest, right, with myself, right, they're not setting big goals and going. How do you help somebody start to change that association so it's pulling them up versus keeping them back? Well, part of it is reflection. Call it prayer, uh, spending time by yourself, whatever you want to call it. I start each day on purpose. Let me say that again. I start every day on purpose and I build my schedule to have time in the morning for myself before my wife wakes up, before my son wakes up. I'm an early riser and that is my time to pray, work out, spend time with myself, spend time with the Lord, thinking about my journey. And part of that journey is inventorying who am I around? Because only one or two things are happening. Someone's pouring into you or they're taking out. There's no in-between. They're doing one or the other. And so I regularly ask people, say, tell me how you're spending your time. 
Who do you spend your time with? And if you're blessed to have an assistant, if you don't, get a schedule analyzer that'll tell you where you're spending your time. John, I can tell you something about someone, even if I haven't met them, just show me their calendar and I'll tell you who that person is. And if they've got built into their schedule reflection time and time alone and time to pray and time to think about things, that tells me there's a person that's on the right track. So that's how I do it. We just start having a conversation around, tell me about the inventory of who you spend your time with. And then John, I also hold myself accountable. When I am with you, what kind of conversation are we having? Are we only talking about the Broncos or Nuggets? Not to say that shouldn't be part of the conversation. We all love sports. But if that is the depth of your conversation with the people that you interact with, then you got to change it. Because that light conversation is going to attract light people. Deep conversations will attract other deep people, and that's how you get better. And uh, I love that you shared that. And uh, I have come to realize how important the morning routine is. Uh, something I learned recently, I didn't even know this. The break, I started this habit of not looking at my phone for the first 30 minutes. Good for you. And I was, uh, I was listening to a lecture on brain science and mental health. Mm-hmm. Do you know that your cortisol levels rise as you're sleeping? It's part of how your brain processes, and it's good. But cortisol is the stress hormone. Really? So in the morning, right? It's actually at a higher level, and it takes time to get back down to a normal, healthy level. What do you think happens to that cortisol level when you pick up your phone and I see the email from Steve or from Bob <laughs> or Mary? Guess what? The cortisol level stays high, and yes. all of a sudden, you you are handicapping yourself first thing in the interesting. morning. I didn't know that. That's uh, interesting to know because sometimes I, I admit I have that bad habit of grabbing that phone. And keeping it away is so important. So that has been huge. And the other thing, I was working with my coach on having a better routine. So one of the things I do before I go to bed now, I write my gratitudes. And one of the things that I started doing is saying, I'm grateful, you know, that I. What are some of those things that a good choice I did today? My wife did something in the past that I know would push a button. And guess what? Today... I just walked over and gave her a big hug and a small said, you're adorable and I love you, (laughs) right? And then I say, what are my intentions for today? And maybe as you're looking at this, maybe my intention is to develop a new relationship that could be one of those five people that I want to pull into my orbit. Yes. And then I would do affirmations about how God sees me and what I'm developing in my own things I'm working on for myself. And now that's been like, now that's my check mark. Yeah. And just starting out that way, I just walk out of the house, and when I forget to do it, or I get busy, or actually I choose not to do it, let's just be honest, right? I don't have as good a day. I've Mm. just now seen the pattern. John, you know what I love about what you just said? Habits make up who we are. And so when you ask me about my mother, there was nothing big that she did. She didn't go out and you know, start a college fund for me, or she didn't buy me a new car. It was the daily things that she did, whether it was a kind word or when we walked into a room, her face lit up versus trying to find what was wrong with us. So those daily habits become so important. And so as you outline that, that's such a valuable insight that hopefully our listeners are catching on to because your daily habits make up who you are. Yes. And so I would tell people, everybody out there listening, if you don't have a morning routine, start one. And guess what? Don't go like, I tried to like do, I read this book and it's about this hour long morning routine. I think I did it for three days and I gave up. 
<laughs> what if you just got up in the morning and said, I'm great. Before you get out of bed, say, I'm grateful for these three things. Just start. If you start, I, I love what John Maxwell used to say, do something and something will happen. <laughs> and so your point is it could be five minutes. It could be two minutes. It could be one act. Don't make it a big ordeal. It could be one thing. I love that. Because then you start a habit. And then guess what? I started building it. Now my morning routine is about an hour, but it took me a while to get there. I won't tell you how long because it's embarrassing because I'm supposed to be the coach guy. So, But John, the other point I want to add to that, whether you're a father, mother, business leader, people are watching you when you don't expect and when you don't think they're watching. And so I guarantee you, your family, they see that morning routine. They see that act of kindness. And so whether you're a parent or a leader, when, when you don't think they're watching, they're watching. You know who watches closest? <laughs> My wife. My, she's like, I like that. I'm going to pick up on that. Which is very encouraging to keep doing it, by the way. Now, reading Uncompromising, when yes. it came out, I loved it. And the framework that you came up, and I know you put a lot of thought in what you came up to with these seven pathways that you outlined as you were looking at kind of the patterns in your life that led to success, I would say significance. It also read for yourself for yes. this place of fulfillment. Could you kind of share what that, first of all, how you came up with that framework? And then we can dig into a couple of the key things in there. Well, let's talk about the book Uncompromising. It was really built around that Mark Twain quote we talked about earlier, the two most important days in your life, the day you're born, the second is when you know why. And so now let's look forward, John. Let's, let's kind of do a little math exercise. In our lifetime, every single day, we'll meet four or five new people. It might be at a Starbucks. It might be at the grocery store. It might be in an office building or whatever. So I want you to think about your life now. Once your life is done and you're taking that last walk and you're ready, hopefully, to go be in heaven with him and you're taking that last walk, I want you to envision all of those men and women that you have met, they're all in a stadium, they're in a building, and they're giving you your send-off. This is your retirement party. And they're doing one of three things, John, 80, 90, 100,000 people. They're either cheering, John, 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 awesome, or they're booing, or John, worse. Here's the worst part. What if they're saying nothing? They don't care. They, you, that means the imprint, there was no imprint. Mm. And so the purpose of the book is how do I live a life of success, fulfillment, and impact? Mm. Success, impact, legacy. Because success can be money. It could be having a big house. Whatever your definition of success is, that's your business. But now we're talking about impact. and We're talking about legacy. There's a quote, we all die twice. Mm. The day we take our last walk, the second is when the last time somebody mentions our name. So how do we live a life of impact and legacy and success? And that was the purpose of the book. And we talked about these seven pathways. Pathway number one has to start with answering that important question, why have I been placed on this earth? And oftentimes people say, well, Steve, how do I find that out? And I say, well, that's a hard question. And sometimes it might take a lifetime. It might take several years. It's not something that comes easily. But for me, I started with, what do I like to do? 
What am I passionate about? What am I fairly good at? And what would I do for free? And this idea of impacting others through leadership and team building, that was something I was pretty good at because as the oldest of four boys, a mom working two jobs, I was thrust into a leadership position at a very, very early age because she was working two jobs. And therefore, as the oldest, I was left in charge. And so at the time, my brothers called me bossy. They don't call me bossy now, but I was learning real life leadership skills. So pathway number one, answer that important question. Why have I been placed on this serve? And then once you figure that out is secondly, how do you stay focused on the real prize? There are a lot of distractions out there, John, but how do you stay focused on the main thing? So if my job and my reason for being on this earth is to create a level of impact and create a table of prosperity for as many people as possible, I'm not going to get caught up into these sideshows like being a victim or feeling sorry for myself or get caught up in some of the political discussion that has no value to anyone's life. Let's stay focused on the real prize. Let's stay focused on what we're trying to do. And the way you do that is you have men and women around you, almost like accountability coaches, whether it's a spouse or a best friend or whatever. I have a kitchen cabinet of about seven people, and they're not all CEOs. Some are frontline employees that I can go to on a regular basis to hold myself accountable. Am I focused on the right thing? Am I focused on the real prize? You know, a friend of mine calls that his personal board. Yes. And I implemented that. I have four people that I've left completely into my life. They have different roles in my life, but big decisions. Like we were talking about for me coming over here to this company. It was part of that, bringing those people in. Right. And you know, though, when you're talking about focus, I just want to, when you're flying along in an airliner, and you're up at altitude, and the crew's got the autopilot on, and you're <laughs> relaxing in the back. Do you know what percent of time that airplane's on course? What would be your guess? I have no idea. You'd like to think yeah, a lot, right? I would hope 100%. <laughs> the answer is 3%. Wow. But think about it. Everything is conspiring to move that airplane off course. The, when you feel turbulence, that's wind gusts. The engines are turning. People are mo- walking up and down. They're shifting the weight and balance of the airplane. Life is the exact same way. Yeah. So if we were on track and focused, you know, 3 or 5% of the time, but we have the tools like you're talking about, our faith, our association, our sense of purpose, we now actually have the ability to correct back. Yes. And I think it's it's important that we always keep that in mind, that that is our, we're in control of right. that, not somebody else. Right. But I love that you're bringing this up, yeah. focus. And I, I love your point because my sense is on that plane, there's a radar somewhere headed to that North Star. And that's why pathway number one is identifying your purpose becomes so critical because now you know what to stay focused on. I'll share a quick story with you. Uh, My mother, clearly her purpose was raising these four boys to ensure that they became productive uh, citizens. And I remember, uh, John, one of the things we had to be in at night, but once those streetlights came on, we had to be in the house. And I must tell you, we were like the odd kids because everybody else to play later and we were like why are you doing this to us why are you ruining our you were life? not happy we were not happy we would actually send other parents to go talk to my mother to say let them out but she was so focused on her purpose she stayed focused on the real prize although she risked 
heartache from her kids. She risks, you know, disappointing us. Criticism from neighbors. Criticism <laughs> because from you others enlisted or them. you're doing the wrong thing. But she stayed focused mm. on the real prize. And that's why understanding your purpose is so mm. important. The third pathway is how do you live your life as a learning lab? As you move forward, life is not a straight path. And, but if you're always in a learning mode, that's going to help you uh, move forward. And John, sometimes the best lessons are from the people that are doing it all wrong. People think you can only learn from the really smart people who have it all together. No, lessons can be learned in every situation. And even if someone's doing it bad, you can learn from that. So how do you put yourself in a situation that where you're always learning? You know, John, one of the things that I'm a big supporter of is education. Mm -hmm. And I don't think about education as number of degrees. But what I learned going to school was how to think for myself, how to look at a situation and think broader and not always look at what's being presented to me, to develop intellectual curiosity. That's what school does. That's what education does. But it also helps you create a learning mindset that you can always grow. You can always be better. And that's why I believe education is the great equalizer in our country. And that's why it's so important that we ensure every kid, every citizen gets a solid education. It's not about collecting degrees. It's about how to think. It's about how to create a learning mindset. That's why I think education is so critical. Yeah. And you said earlier right? Um, you had to really work hard to not be in a victim mindset. Like every everything in your life would have given you an excuse or even it would have been socially acceptable to do that. Yes. And as you, you know, you've gone through life and, and had to work in that, I'm sure you were challenged in staying in that yes. mindset. Yes. And I don't know whether it's appropriate to like call it like, you know, victim or victor or yeah. a place of, you know, scarcity versus abundance. But I would love your thoughts, you know, just as a parent working yeah. with a child like a boss working with an employee and you're seeing some of those elements of that mindset that you know are not helpful. Right. Where, where, when you're sitting down just having a one-on-one conversation, where do, you, where do you bring that? Well, I always start, tell me what you learned. Mm. Because whether, you know, there's no such thing as winning or losing. You're always learning, even in a bad situation. What did you learn today? My 10-year-old son, Stevie, he was so excited. He got an A on his math test this week. And I said, Stevie, what did you learn? He's like, what are you talking about? I learned I got an A. No, what did you learn? What, what was the experience like? And the more we talked, this little 10-year-old boy came to us and said, well, Dad, the more I prepare, the better the results. The more I, uh, you know, delay playing basketball or baseball and do my homework first, I get this result. Oh, really? So every situation is a learning experience, whether it's a bad situation or a good situation. You're never winning or losing. Get that out of your mindset. Every situation is an opportunity to learn, to prepare you for what's next. So here, here's something I heard in there that I think is just a key takeaway for everybody, right? You have a good experience, you have a bad experience. What Steve just shared is two questions you, we can ask ourselves or our son or somebody. Number one, what did you do well? Yes. Right? It might have been a horrible presentation, yes. but I'll guarantee there's something you did well. 
and what did you learn? And if we can focus on those two things, then we move away of maybe comparing ourselves yeah. to people around us and we start competing with a little bit better version of ourselves. That's kind of how I interpret what you said. That's exactly right, John. And let me just share this with you. As you can tell, I love to talk about stories. People always want to ask successful people, why are you successful now? We all, we all, yeah, Steve, why are you successful? Why are you successful? Here's the key. (laughs) I believe we don't make the same mistakes over and over again. Let me say that one more time. When I am coaching and supporting people, they say, well, how is this person more successful? Whatever that definition is, it's because they don't make the same mistake over and over again. Successful people make mistakes all the time. Abraham Lincoln, he failed millions of many, many times before he became president. But I guarantee you, he did not make the same mistake over and over again. And so that's why the learning lab becomes so important is to inventory and understand what are you learning as you go on this journey so you can repeat the good stuff, keep doing that, and stop doing the bad stuff. That's how you win. Okay, I'm I'm asterisking this, and and I'm not going to show this to my wife. And I'm so you know, and I'm sorry to get excited, (laughs) but it's just you know, I know when I am coaching and supporting people, sometimes we're talking about the same situation. It's just in a different package because the same decision has been made. So think about living your life as a learning lab from the standpoint. I'm going to learn the good stuff so I can keep doing it, as you said, John, and then the bad stuff, the things that contributed to the mistake, I'm going to stop doing that. You know, something to just throw out there as a resource for folks. I really struggled with not under, trying to understand why I showed up that way, why I was making those mistakes. A great book that I read was called The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg. Oh, wow. That talked about all these mental loops, everything in your backstory, what creates that, and then actually how to start learning to think and feel differently when the same situation comes up so that you can now actually take a different action versus it being a response to uh, a, like a trigger, a That's stimulus, right. a cue. So that was something I've had to work yeah. very hard on. But And John, you I said love that you brought earlier, that our habits make up who we are. And if you have bad habits, right? If you have a bad habit of eating buckets of ice cream at, at midnight, well, guess what? You're going to get the result that, you know, eating a bucket of ice cream. But it's so important to live life as a learning lab. Embracing life's lessons keeps you alive and growing is such a critical piece. So we talked about these seven pathways. Number one is find your fight. Number two is not lose focus on the real prize. Number three, live life as a learning lab. And number four, just John, and I bet a lot of our listeners haven't heard of this before, but think and act like a business. Yeah, I love this one. Oftentimes people say, well, Steve, what do you do? What, what is your livelihood? Where do you work? Who do you work for? And while Comcast is one of my places where I get income, I always say I am chairman and CEO of Steve White Incorporated. And they're like, that's selfish. No, it's not. But when I think of myself as a business, I'm going to invest in my business. And the reason Comcast invests in my services is because it's a company they want to be associated with. 
So let me say that again. I am chairman and, Steve, uh, and CEO of Steve White Incorporated, and companies like Comcast are interested in my services, and so they hire me. I serve on three public boards along with my time at Comcast. They're hiring me for a reason because they believe my company can help their company be more successful. But it also changes my mindset, John, that I am responsible for my development, not my boss. I am going to go to my boss with some suggestions on programs I want to invest in or where I would like to go to further my trade. So it just changes the mindset. It's an investment in you incorporated. The stronger you make yourself, the better. And I'll go quickly here. Number five, number five, own your attitude and effort. There are only two things you can control in this life is your attitude and effort. Although I am sometimes a control freak and I want to control other things, it always comes back to the only two things you can control is your attitude and effort. Number six is navigating. What you're talking about there, though, is personal responsibility. Oh, it's it's radical responsibility because that's where I'm not going to be a victim. You know, think about this, John. I can't make you like me. No matter how much money I spend on you, no matter how many trips I take you on, I can't make you like me. I can't make you accept me. I can't make you invite me into your inner circle. I can't control that. All I can do is be me. So let your inner light shine and that will attract people to you. So that's the only thing you can control. And then certainly your effort. If you have the right attitude and the right effort, you will attract people to you. It'll attract people to your company and you'll have great success. It's hard. It's very, very difficult to do it. But if you can embrace that as a mindset, you're on your way. Oh, I love it. Because think about it. There's things in life we can't control. Absolutely. And there's things in life we can control. Right? My anger. I, I could say, you made me angry, Steve. But guess what? At the end of the day, I made a choice to react a certain way. And actually, I chose to be angry. Now, that totally reframes in my head how I'm showing up. I just wanted to point that out. But that when people see that, the people that I'm coaching, and they start to really understand that, that is a point where I just start to see growth. And I just want to highlight that. And John, you give away that power when you do that. Sure do. When you let people know that you can easily be triggered and now they know exactly how to control you. Never give up that control. The uh, last two, navigate uncertainty. Life is uncertain. Embrace it. And commit to road dog relationships. And my definition of a road dog, this is number seven. A road dog is, and I'm not promoting fighting, but a fight breaks out. Your road dog jumps in. They help you. And they ask questions after the fight. You know what I'm saying? So if you have a road dog and you go to them and you've got a challenge, they're asking questions affirming your greatness and helping you be the best you can be versus saying, well, John, why are you doing that? Or why did you make that decision, John? That, is that really a smart decision, John? That's not affirming who you are. A good friend can ask tough questions, but do it in a way where they're affirming your vision for your life. And so who are your road dog relationships? Now, you can't have road dog relationships if you're not a road dog yourself. So if you inventory and you're not a road dog to someone else, there's a reason you don't have road dogs in your life. So who are you a road dog to? Who do you have their back? That will start to give you a sense for who are your road dogs. And folks, you got to go back and listen to the 
previous episode that we did. Yes. And when you talked about Darnell, and you talked about other people in your life that saw things in you when you weren't seeing it yourself. Yes. They believed in you till you started believing yourself more. That's right. You made some big mistakes. We all do. And they, they, without judging, without criticism, helped you process and then learn from that. Yes. And, you know, we talked about this last time, right? Yes. Because in my world, that's the concept of a wingman. Yes. I, mean, I was a fighter pilot. And, yes. And you got to bring a wingman into your, you got to have wingman going. You, you know what? This is a team sport. Like, yes. you can't do it solo. And I love that. And, you know, as we wrap up. Uh, but, John, can I just yeah, add one point? Yes, please. I think about my favorite teachers from school. Mm. When I was in school, they were not my favorite teachers because they challenged me. But, as life went on, they became my favorite teachers because they saw something in me and they pushed me to be better. One of the least favorite people I've ever worked for, his call sign in the military was was Darth, as in Darth Vader. He was constantly pushing me out of my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Do you know that today, 30 years later, he's one of my closest friends and wow. we are in touch constantly because he was seeing in me and he was yeah. he, the reason he was pushing me cuz he knew I had he knew I could actually rise to that bar of performance that challenge. I love that John. I love that my mother gets smarter the older I get. <laughs> yeah. And for parents and leaders that are listening to this, you're not trying to win today. You're trying to win long term. And if you do what's right, you too will be their favorite leader or their favorite parent or favorite whomever because you challenged them to be the best they can be. I love that. And, you know, I honestly think, especially if you have younger kids, what I've realized now is the parenting I did through 18, right? I thought, okay, good. Then we launched them. Like, no, the parenting I did through a team was actually creating the foundation to have the relation and the influence when they're actually now making really important decisions. I think my parenting role, now that my, my kids are adults, it's different, but I think it's more important. And, and I also want to give everybody some encouragement because I broke that years ago and I had to work really hard over a long period of time to create a place of reconciliation, Mm -hmm. redeeming those relationships. And I would tell you that I didn't think this was possible, but today all three of my boys are probably my closest friends. I'll guarantee I hear from every single one of my boys probably today. That's fantastic. At some point. And you know, six, seven years ago, as I started this journey, I didn't know if that was even possible. It was a dream. So it regard, I, God is a God of redemption and reconciliation. And, and wherever you're at in your lives, your marriage, family members, uh, that old friend, there is a path toward just a beautiful relationship, no doubt in my mind. Well said, John. So, you know, Steve, I, I could just talk to you forever. I, I just love your wisdom, your experience, and how you share. There are just so many obstacles that you've overcome. Many of them we haven't been able to talk about. And that's why people need to get to know you. Steve White Speaks, everybody. <laughs> Trust Steve, me. SteveWhiteSpeaks.com. SteveWhiteSpeaks.com. And speak you do. And yeah. you speak. I love what you share. Now, question. Now, as we're wrapping up, people have heard this. And hopefully they heard your other episode too. But as, we're just, as people are listening and they're looking forward. And they got some big dreams, but they got some challenges. And they're probably in some hard times. And they might have a total lack of even resources. They don't know even, how do I find somebody that would be an associate, association that's even, you know, even on the path where I might even want to go, right? So, you know, people are everywhere. So what advice, as we kind of wrap up, and people have heard this, on what are that, that next small step that people could take 
after hearing this conversation? Well, the first thing is, uh, and maybe not necessarily in this order, is part of my morning ritual. That would be a great place to start is I count my blessings. I start and you, no matter what mood am I in, after I get to third or fourth blessing, I'm feeling like I'm on top of the world because we've all been blessed. If we're breathing, we've been blessed. So start there. Have a level of gratitude. Uh, One of the things as a family we do, we come up with a headline. We said at the end of this year, what would we like the headline to be? And this year for me personally is gratitude. Mm -hmm. So that would be number one. Start there. Number two, who do you have in your life pouring into you? You know, take an inventory. Do I have the right people in my life? Are they pouring into me in a way that uh, makes sense? Number three is Answer that important question. Why am I been placed on this earth? And then write it down and keep it in your notebook so you can look at it every day and reaffirm why you've been placed on this earth. And then find someone that you can go to that might provide a level of coaching. And they don't have to be in person. They could be a podcast. It could be someone on TV. It could be somebody uh, who's regularly in the newspaper. Don't let distance stop you. Some of my best mentors I've never met, they don't even know they're mentoring me, John. But I admire them and how they handle themselves and how they care for themselves. And so they become mentors. So that would be the four or five steps that I would start immediately. Doesn't cost you anything. It's all about attitude and effort. And everything we just talked about is mindset and effort. Mindset, effort, gratitude. Yes. Who do you have in your life? And you know what? There's a recent study I read. Uh, men today yes. in America typically only have one to two actually yes. what I would call real friends. Yes. Do you know that uh, 50 years ago, it was 8 to 12. Yes. It's changed. It, no excuses. If you just start asking everybody, Steve, myself, we got where we're at today because of other people, and they helped us. Yes. So do you think if somebody reached out and said, could you help me? Would you mentor me? People love to help. And if you, the, just, if you just John, start asking. the greatest compliment in the world when somebody says, what do you think? Everyone lights up. What do you think, John? I'd love your advice. Hey, I, this is a new goal. I want to go do this. Do, I want to go build and start a company. Who do you know that I could, who's done it before I could talk to? Whatever it is. I want to build a coaching business and be whatever it is. Yes. I want to have a bigger impact in my community. I'll guarantee you, you just start when, I, I call it the law of spiritual magnetism. Yes. I think when you listen to God and he starts putting a desire and a dream on your heart and you then start acting on it, God then starts yes. bringing people into your life yes. that are going to fulfill that. But you yes. have to, guess what? Take action. Yes. But John, here's the piece I want to make sure people remember. Please, how you shine attracts others. Mm. The way I met you, John, was through someone else who I had shined and said, John, I think you should meet Steve because I think you guys would connect. That's how you came into my life through someone else. So that's how it works. But you have to shine. Let your inner glow shine. That will attract others. That's how you're in my life now because someone else said, you know what? I think you guys are two shining lights that you should meet. That's how it works. Well, guys, let's end there. So this is what I want you to do. This weekend or whenever you're listening to this, go out and let that light shine. 
go approach things from that place. And, you know, start out your day with gratitude. And I'd love to hear from you because what I'm willing to bet is your day is probably just a little bit gooder than it was yesterday. All right. With that, Steve, keep knocking them alive. I cannot wait to our next conversation and love you, brother. Just keep up the great work. Thank you, John. So glad to be with you and so glad you're doing this.